we're hit, we've hit the section in the narrative lectionary where we, we've entered into the prophets and um, the makers of the, of the narrative lectionary have, have pulled like pieces out and they picked a very interesting section but it takes some thought because when you go to the prophetic books it, it's not like a story. They don't just sort of start, they don't necessarily go chronologically um, and you're kind of over and, and around and back and forth uh, in different places. Um, so this is, a, this is uh, odd. So I just want to set the stage when we, when we talk about Isaiah and the time frame, and we have Sennacherib and, we, and Doman, well done on the Eliakim and Hilakim and, and uh, so all of those that are there. It's at the time of the, of the, the, is, the uh, king of Israel uh, is um, Hezekiah. And after Solomon, um, the nation of Israel splits into two. We, when we talk, it's a two-kingdom period. And the two kingdoms exist. Uh, the northern kingdom gets, gets wiped out um, from folks over actually near Assyria. Uh, we'll get that in a minute. But, uh, and then there's the southern kingdom that includes Jerusalem. And uh, during that period, though, only two kings come. If you read the, the, the historical narratives in Scripture of um, first and second kings and read through all that. Josiah and Hezekiah are the only two kings in all that period that basically scripture gives a thumbs up to. Everybody else was, they were sketchy in some way and they didn't really, um, well, they strayed a lot. Um, because after Solomon's death, there was a big fight about who was going to be the king and that's why the kingdom split. And um, There are a lot of forces that are at work here because where Israel sits is pretty much um, on the main road between the two superpowers, between Egypt and, let's just say, Babylon, right? Although you have Assyria and Babylon, think where Iraq and, and Iran are, right? where the Tigris and Euphrates are flowing, and the Nile draw a line sort of between the two and you realize you have run right through Israel. Right. So they're pretty much, and Israel is a small, tiny nation. It, it is, it's, it's really tiny. Um, because Israel, or I mean Egypt, and um, in this case Assyria, they've got the rivers, right? You talk about all that language about the, the vineyards and the and the, and the bread, it's because you can grow grapes and grain in places where there's lots of water. And so where the, where the rivers are, that's where all the power is. You know, like, like oil now, right? That's where the power is because it's a utility that we need and can use. And, all right, so here are the two superpowers, Egypt and Assyria. Now, before Hezekiah, and before Sennacherib, uh, Israel was paying a hefty tribute to Assyria all the time to say, don't, don't beat us up. Um, it's the playground bully all over again. Give me your lunch money. Okay, here, because I'd rather live than get, get pounded. So they're giving money, they're giving money, they're giving money. Um, Egypt is starting to rise up, and Egypt says, hey, all you people, don't, don't pay them money we'll help you out, you pay us less money, and, and we'll protect you. Which is why Senate Chair, when he rolls in, he says, 
don't trust Egypt, don't trust God, they're not going to save you. Well, um, Sennacherib's father was very powerful. When his father dies and Sennacherib rises up, Hezekiah thinks, this is it, this is the time. We're going we're to stop sending money to Assyria and we're going to trust that Egypt, we're making an alliance with Egypt. Isaiah, the prophet, is not happy with that. He doesn't want to deal with that. Um, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to make an alliance with Egypt or Assyria. Um, it didn't do the Northern Kingdom any good. It's not going to do them any good. Just Isaiah's continued refrain is trust in the Lord. So, but politics has not really gotten all that different. For the most part, folks want to go. I want to live. As, as simply as I can, unbothered by outside forces as, as, as much as I can. Um, but when I have to make the decision, I'll try to choose the lesser of two evils. So Hezekiah throws his, his hat in with Egypt and says, here it is. We're not going to deal with Assyria uh, anymore. Unfortunately, Assyria was angry. And Sennacherib and his warriors come down out and wipe out all the cities of, of the southern kingdom, Judah. And they lay siege to Jerusalem. It's the last city standing. And this is why they send the, the prophets to see Isaiah. Go, they go to see Isaiah, and they open it up. Um, Isaiah's not happy. I don't think prophets are really ever happy. I, let's, I, 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 there's no prophetic language that goes, hey, way to go, guys, that's awesome. The prophets are always pretty just cranky folk. But... He, he does speak the word of the Lord. They go for advice, and he says, it's going to be okay. And God is going to send some spirit upon um, Sennacherib, who's going to hear a rumor, and he's going to head back to Assyria. Um, and in the end, after a siege, the book Isaiah tells us that they did go, and Sennacherib dies, and then his sons take over. Um, but eventually, eventually they're going to, uh, all, all of the people, all of the cities that they sacked and, and decimated, other than Jerusalem, they had, they had taken and sent off into exile. And so this, is, this begins to enter a really important time, this exile period in, uh, in the history of Israel and, and Judah and and all. But in this part, at least, God maintains and God rescues Jerusalem. It is, it is contained and it is kept safe. So what does that do? How do we hear that story? What does that do for us in that experience? 
we are constantly, I think, in that path. We are, um, Luther talked about the unholy trinity. He talked about sin, death, and the devil. All those forces that seem to pull us apart, um, that seem to seek to, to separate us from others, to separate us from God, to have us isolated and, well, alone. Israel sat between these two powers um, that really they both just wanted more and more land. They had their own, I mean, they're the biggest guys on the planet. They get to choose what they want to do. They'd like to build their empires. They'd like to see that happen. Sin and death open things up for us to pull us apart, to keep us separated one from another. Isaiah's language of continuing to trust only in the Lord are about fighting those powers of brokenness. How is it that we hurt less and heal more? How How do we enter into a life that seeks not always to just choose the lesser of two evils, but to open things up for us? How do we Well, so have you seen the, the every once in a while I see that like things that pop up on Facebook, like the signs that say, or someone puts up a status or something that says along the lines of um, sort of evaluate the people in your life and those who, um, who require too much energy, just sort of cut them loose. And... And part of me wants to go, well, yeah, right. I don't want to deal with people who don't want to deal with me. I don't want to sort of always get hurt. I don't always want to. How do we, how do we deal with that faithfully, right? Because still there's some way that we're cutting that loose. And what does that look like? And that's not to say that if they are hurting us on a consistent basis, emotionally, physically, etc., that we stay with them. But what does it look like for us as people of faith, trusting in God, how do we do that in a faithful way that doesn't tear us apart, doesn't tear ourselves apart? How can we... I had a conversation with a person uh, this week who wanted to know about forgiveness and morality. He says, and how do, I, how do I learn to forgive myself when I do myself wrong? When I don't take the opportunities that I should or I don't work and I don't... I don't do something as good as I can? How do we enter into these things um, that don't do damage to ourselves? I think sometimes cutting off relationships without doing the hard work that's necessary damages us. We, we lack because we've cut people out of our lives that could be valued. Sometimes we have to, I think we do, cut people out when they're hurting us and, and etc. But sometimes relationships are hard work and we, we have to put effort there. How do we enter, enter, enter into that with prayer and faithfulness to that reality? How do we shape policies and and just our life together around us when, we, when we're living in 
as political creatures uh, in the world so that we might be able to raise a, a thoughtful and careful answer to people who are sick who come to our country, um, people who, who come into our, our country who are in need, who are young, who are vulnerable. Right? We have immigrants flowing in from South America. We have folks coming from Africa with diseases. How do we begin to do that so that we are not simply separating ourselves from the world around us? For where separation is, where relationships are broken, that's the entry of sin. How do we not die in, uh, die to ourselves in a bad way, right? The life of faith is wrapped up in dying to ourselves for the sake of Christ. How do we not hear the, the drums of, of the superpowers of the, of the sin and the death that are coming upon us? make us hide and fear and cower. Here is the time when Isaiah would rise up and have us remember to trust in the Lord, to trust the identity and the security that we are given by God in the waters of baptism. That no matter what, we are held safe and secure. That allows us to enter into those places that are ravaged by, by sin and death and war and strife and trouble. And we might bring words of healing and grace into the midst of that. So that people are not torn apart and separated, but brought together. It is a challenge. It is difficult, and it requires a great deal of trust that, in fact, it is God at work in us, that God has been at work in us, that God will be at work in us to open our lives and take away fear, to take away uh, the notion that we really are better than if we just let things tear us apart. We have a God who continues to pour himself out for us in bread and in wine, giving himself for us that we might be strengthened and nourished, forgiven and set free, set free from sin so that we may be set free for others. And that opens us up into a new and, well, a new reality that is connected, that connects us together, one to another and to the world around us. Thanks be to God. Amen.